I wasn't going to tell the story. I, was, I really wasn't. But now I have to because I did in the early service and because it goes with this video. And it come, I'm going to put a disclaimer on that. Whenever I start disclaiming stories, you know you'd be ready to be offended, some of you. Um, it's uh, uh, from one of our, I'll just tell you, it's, we have about, I don't know, a half dozen or so lawyers in the church. This comes from one of, that I'm aware of, and I'm sure some others slide in here sometimes. But um, they, uh, <laughs> uh, just kidding, if you're an attorney. Um, but this comes from one of, our, one of our half dozen or so attorneys. That's all I'm going to tell you. He sent it to me in an email from a, a, a former uh, professor priest of his. Story goes like this, in conjunction with this. Guy goes to Pearly Gates, dies. St. Peter meets him at the Pearly Gates, and he says, why should we let you in? He said, well, um, um, one time, one time, he was thinking really hard, one time I, I bought a, a cup of coffee for a dollar, and it was only 50 cents, and I threw the other 50 cents at a homeless guy right there and gave it to him. Peter said, well, that's a good start. And uh, what else? And the guy said, well, one time um, I, I gave a dollar, oh, I bought a sandwich for a dollar. And I ate half of it and gave the rest to some homeless guy. And uh, St. Peter said, what else? He said, that's all I got. St. Peter says, you know, that's kind of tough. I don't know. Let me go talk to the Jesus. So St. Peter goes and talks to Jesus, okay? And uh, he said, Jesus, said, well, what did he do? And the guy said this, and, you know, this. And then Jesus said, that's all? That's all? And St. Peter said, yeah. He says, well, give him his dollar back and time to go to hell. So anyway, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Jesus, the Lord has a sense of humor. I want you to know that, okay? So don't get too offended, some of you, by that. But um, that's exactly the type of thing that I'm trying to counter with the teaching we've had these last, this will be the fourth week on giving. Because there are people who think, not quite that crazy, but in terms of, you know, that somehow there's going to be this confrontation in heaven and Peter and Jesus are going to, does this guy get in? You know, um, and, uh, and that's not it at all. You know, it's not it at all, and I've said that over and over and over again. If this is your first Sunday at Renaissance, um, I want another disclaimer. We don't ever talk about giving, but we have for four straight weeks. Give is a four-letter word is our title of our series. I'll tell you more about that in a second. Um, Does your wallet have a heart? Hang on to that thought for a moment, all right? What's really important here is the understanding that you have or that you need to have if you don't have from the Bible about what giving really is how it works. Let me give you a quote from one great, I almost said a great American, uh, a great leader, not an American, but a great leader. Um, Did a lot of good things for America, but a great leader, Margaret Thatcher. Watch this. This is important. This is an important thing right here, right? Especially the time we're living in. Nevertheless, the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet, recognizes that making money and owning things could become selfish activities. She goes on to say, but it is not the creation of wealth that is wrong, but love of money for its own sake. The spiritual dimension comes in deciding what one does with the wealth. How could we respond to the many calls for help? Watch this. This is so good. How could we respond to the many calls for help or invest for the future or support the wonderful artists or craftsmen whose work also glorifies God unless we had first worked hard and used our talents to create the necessary wealth? That's a great question right there. And the thing that, that, that Thatcher does there, it, it, she, she has us understand this whole attitude toward wealth. By the way, the thing that I like about that, in light of the present age that we live in, I, I, I mean, 
if somebody were to walk in here or you were to see somebody down here on the street and they were disheveled and they were unkempt and kind of kind of crumungity looking, you know, and kind of dirty and, and, and you know, tore, clothes were torn, you might make some kind of, you might, I don't think anybody here would, but you might make a judgment of, gosh, they're poor people, man. What's wrong with them? And that would be wrong in making a judgment. Well, it seems to be okay to say if a guy works on Wall Street and makes a, a pretty decent-sized bonus because he works really hard and creates some, some money for them, all of a sudden this guy is like from the pit of hell, you know, in the society in which we live right now. I talked to a couple guys after the first service, and a couple of them, both of them work on the Wall Street, and they were like, it has become a very tough thing to be creative. When people ask me what I do, I don't want to say Wall Street. <laughs> he said, I'm trying to figure out some other thing to say so they don't look at me with, you know, like, are you one of those, you know, whatever. Um, it's just as wrong to judge people because they're poor or they're rich or the color of their skin or the class they come from. Judgment is wrong. Just as much for one as it is the other. Don't forget that. Class, putting one class against another class is wrong. I don't care who it is, I don't care when it is, it's wrong, according to Jesus. And, and, and you need to hear that. And you need to hear that from a, a pastor of a church who have people on the far left and the far right. And, and, and people that represent many different walks of life. It's just, it's, you don't, we don't need to go there. Most of us understand that when it comes to racial things or other things. Somehow or another, uh, and maybe it's the media, I don't know. Maybe it's Nancy Pelosi. I don't know whose fault it is, but, but, but whomever, I don't know. But it's, it's wrong to judge people. That doesn't mean there aren't things that happen in many different areas of life, including Wall Street, that are wrong. It doesn't mean those things, they're, they're, there's wrong anywhere you want to go. And I think we all know that. Thatcher's point, though, I think is very important, and that is wealth is not bad. Why else would we be able to do some of the things we can to help support artists and, and, and craftsmen, as she says there? This series has been about that. It's not, it's not been about the evil of wealth, because the Bible doesn't say it's evil. And it's not been about prying, trying to pry some money away from you to get you to give it to God's kingdom or the Renaissance church. It's not been about that. It's been about the attitude that we have toward our wealth, whatever that is, and we all have some. Some, obviously, a lot more than others. But you, it's still your attitude. And the funny thing about this is that people don't realize you can, make a, you, can make, you can be at the lower end of the food chain income-wise, and you can have just as big of a problem with money as the guy or the lady who has millions and millions and millions. It's funny about how that works, isn't it? You can have just as bad, because it's, it's, it's right here in the heart. Ben Franklin said this. Gosh, I thought this was so good. He does not possess wealth that allows it to possess him. That's just a great thought. My, my efforts in this series, many efforts, many, many different purposes, but most importantly, I just want you to be exposed to the biblical teaching on giving because it's just not getting taught anywhere. And, and, and especially in the church. Explain that to me sometime. I don't understand that. It's not being taught. Just the simple principles of Scripture. And it ticks me off. I don't mind telling you. Um, we've had four, this is our fourth week. We, we started off talking about where's your trust? Because it's kind of hard to give if you're afraid of running out. But if your trust is with God, you realize he's going to supply. 
Um, how much is enough? We talked about that the second week. How much is enough? It really comes down to contentedness because discontent people have a very difficult time giving. In fact, discontent people are takers. They're not givers. They take. They take up everything. They have all the energy in the room, all the life in the room. And, and a lot of people aren't giving people because they're just, they're just miserable and discontent. And contentment only comes one way, through a relationship with God, through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Last week, we talked about obligation or offering. We got into percentages and what does the Bible say about that and how much, does, how much are you supposed to give? And we learned, if you were here, that, 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 you're, that, that at one point in the Old Testament, people gave it somewhere in the area between 20 and 25% a year of their income. And if you were here, you heard me say, everybody in Renaissance Church needs to give 25%. Net, not gross, net, no. Um, I didn't say that if you weren't here. Um, what I did say was this, God wants 100% of you. He wants 100% of you. And then you determine, and good, you say it's 10% where I start, it's a good place to start. But that's something you have to determine. You, your, your, your mate and, and, and God. You know, and, and maybe, maybe that's a dollar number. I'm going to give this amount, you know, and, and I'm going to try to and if, if I can, you know, or, 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 and, and you pray about that and you do what you can. Um, so we come to this today, and I want to talk more about that in just a second. Does your wallet have a heart? And, and what kind of question is that? And where does that come from? And oh, somebody said, did you make that up? I think I did, but I think I, I might have had some help with that one. I, I can't remember. But, um, you know, here's the thing. And I, I touched on this last week. I want to touch on it right now. The Bible teaches you are to give from your heart and you are to give cheerfully. The Bible teaches that. There's no question about that. There's no other way you can interpret that. There's no other way you can parse that verb. The Bible teaches you're to give from your heart. You are to give cheerfully. Now, let me show you that. We did this last week, but I'm going to talk about it from a little different aspect. Second Corinthians chapter 9, we saw these verses last week. You must each decide in your heart. See that? You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's the biblical principle. So somebody might be here and they might say, you know what, I'm not doing that, Rich. I can't give cheerfully. Having a real hard time with that. What's wrong with me? Well, there, I, I don't, there might be more than this, but I, I sort of come, came to four reasons why one may not be able to give, can't or won't give cheerfully. Four reasons that I came up with. And you can probably come up with more, but here, here's, here's the reasons that, to generalize. Here's the reason I came up with. One reason would be you just don't care. You don't care about God. You don't care about church. And if you're in that particular situation, then you shouldn't give. And, and you've heard us say many times, heard me say many times, you know, that, that one, one of the reasons we don't pass an offering plate is because we don't want people to give out of obligation. We, want, we don't want them to give out of guilt. We want, them, we want them to give because they want to. And it's part of worship, honoring God with what he's already given you and just giving him back to him, basically. But if you don't care about God, or even if you're just checking things out to see what you believe about God... You may not, and you don't want to give, then you shouldn't. You really shouldn't. I'm serious about that. Second reason sometimes people don't give is because the church just stinks. You know? 
It just stinks. They do, oh, they don't, they don't get anything out of it, and they go, and they like, and, and there's a couple things. I, there's, there's a side of me that wants to say, well, if that's the case, just don't give. But that's not quite, somebody challenged me that on that. That's not quite exactly right either, because that, that, therefore you could take that, well, if Rich didn't have a good message, or if Steve sang off key, uh, we're probably not going to give this Sunday, you know? So, so there's a lot greater chance of Rich having a bad message than there is of Steve singing off key, let me just tell you that. But, um, um, that's so that obviously that wouldn't you can't carry that on out because that's not true. No, the truth is though, if you're part of a church, and, we, and I'm talking because we have people at Renaissance every Sunday who are part of other churches. We love you coming here, we really do. But if you're part of a church that is not engaging and 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 it's kind of boring, and, and you know you you really need to think about that. What am I going to do about that? Maybe maybe I need to move. Maybe I need to go to a cool church. <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, Maybe I, you know, all, all, but you know, there, there is, it's part of worship and sometimes even in a cool church, things aren't always just the way we try to make them. You know, we work pretty hard at that here, but even then sometimes it falls flat. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a thing that you got to think about, but for the most part, it's got to be something you believe in. It's got to be someplace where you are, where you get, you know, a, a bit of a spiritual charge, if you want to put it that way, um, some spiritual food to think about, to, to pray about. To, to engage your life, to work in your life as a, as a person, as a family, as a uh, whatever, single person, whatever you, you might be. So that's the, the second thing. The, the church just, think through that whole thing of the church stinks. Uh, third reason you may not give or can't give cheerfully. Third reason is you, you just might be a selfish pig. You know? You just might be a selfish pig. You know? Those two words kind of go together, don't they? Selfish pig. I mean, it's, it doesn't work if you say selfish cow or selfish or selfish pig. Just Anyway, um, yeah, it just works. Um, here's the thing about that. Um, and, you know, part of that is you don't understand, possibly, that your life isn't your own, that what you have is not your own, that your talents, your ability to even make money is not your own. God gave you that, and you don't understand that because you're so self-absorbed. Well, I think you know the issue here. You probably need a change of heart. You know, probably. You need a change of heart. Only God can do that. But you might need to deal with that. Okay, you say, well, is there a fourth one? I hope I'm not a selfish pig. Is there a fourth option? Some reasons that people can't or don't give cheerfully. Don't care, church stinks, selfish pig. Um, Fourth one. Maybe you've never been challenged. And I think that's true for a lot of you. And there's only one place to point for that blame. That'd be right here. Maybe you've never been challenged. Maybe the pastor's never just stood here and just said, you need to do this. It's the right thing to do, and you'll be blessed by it. Because that is the truth. It's also part of worship. Giving back to God what he has given to you. And you need to be challenged to do that. You, really, you need to really think about that if you, if you don't. And if you haven't, you really need to think about that. And, and, and maybe even if, if, you, if you need to up it a little bit. Here, here's the thing. Sometimes we get into this thing, you look around and you see other people and you say, well, I'm, I'm just a kind of a little, you know, I'm low in the food chain here. My little two bits not going to really help that much. That would be a really wrong attitude. Uh, last week, the reason I, I went into that story in the Gospels, if you were here, if you weren't, you can pick it up online, um, I went into a very brief little story in the Gospels about the, the widow who gave all she had, which was basically two cents in our, in our vernacular. 
And how God, how Jesus said she gave more than those who gave a whole lot more money because she gave all she had. And this is a really, this is a real sticky wicket, and I realize that, and I want to, I want to be very blunt about this. Um, um, a few years ago, we did a little thing. It wasn't on a Sunday morning, but it was about for those who had been coming to Renaissance, uh, just to say, you know, we need your help to help us and, and so forth. And, and we, we were very open about the budget, and we, which we are anyway, but much more than we would ever be in a service. We were very putting it out on, on, the, on the screen and everything. But one of the things somebody did, and these numbers no longer work because we've grown quite a bit since then in terms of numbers, but one of the things that we did was somebody broke it down. I don't know who, somebody really smart, um, broke down how much each family, how much it cost each family at that time, how much it cost each family to come to Renaissance with the, with the annual budget and so forth. You finance guys are looking at me and saying, how hard is that? It's hard for a guy like me, okay? Some of you guys can do it in your head, I realize. But anyway, I was impressed by it. And, and, but they broke this whole thing down. How much, how much it cost, you know, for your family to come to Renaissance a year if you were to give that. At that time, I don't know what it is now, at that time, the number was $8,000 a year uh, is what it cost each family to come to Renaissance, what the, whole, the, hard, the hard number was. And we put that out, we didn't put that out on a Sunday morning. We did that on this other thing. It was a Saturday night, I think. And it really bothered me. And I, was, I, was, I didn't really want to... Well, I, I didn't have a strong opinion about it. I was kind of nervous about doing that because I knew there were some people who couldn't do that. And sure enough, I had a conversation with four or five different individuals who were very, and they weren't mad at us. They were just very hurt. They were in the sense that they were like, I can't do that. And I was like, listen, I know that. And this was an individual conversations. And I said, I understand that. I said, I don't know how much you're making. It's none of my business. I don't need to know. But that's not the purpose of that. It was just to give you some ballpark figures. And maybe you can only do four. Well, somebody else will do, will do 12. Does that work? Is that the right numbers? Um, <laughs> help me with this. Um, maybe you can do two. And, and, and the other person would do, what, what, 12. Okay. Um, so <laughs> he's a finance guy. Anyway, um, anyway. Um, you understand my point? And so you do what you can, okay? You do, as, you do what you can, and you do as, as, as it, what you determine is, is possible with your situation, particularly as you pray about it and pray about it. No, don't, don't misunderstand. God's not going to send you a number out of the sky, but he's going to give you some peace about what you can do. So, so be encouraged, okay? Think about that. and make that, Let that be, the call, let that be a, a challenge to you. That's all I ask. Let that be a challenge to you. Here's the thing, though. I want to be very clear about this. You cannot sustain a life of giving if your heart is not involved or engaged. You can't do it. It's not going to be consistent. Let me put it to you a different way. Sustaining a life of giving is only possible when your heart is involved. Only one person can change a heart, and it's not you. It's God Almighty. And when I talk about a life of giving, I'm not just talking about money. And I hope you understand that. I mean, because a, a, a life of giving is a characterization of an individual. It involves their money. It involves their talents. It involves their gifts. It involves their time. It involves the whole package. Why? Because God wants 100% of you. Because Jesus came to give you life. You know, you need to believe in what you're giving to. You need to understand giving is meaningful. You need to understand you don't want to give thoughtlessly. I mean, all, that, all that's involved with all this. Let me read to you one other passage from Matthew. Uh, Steve alluded to it earlier. Matthew chapter 6. 
Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty and where thieves can break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where they will never become moth-eaten or rusty and where they will be safe from thieves. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. Where's your treasure? That's what you need to ask yourself. How, How important is this thing of faith to you? and all that, that's around that. As when, when, when we talk about the giving particularly of, of, to the kingdom, not just charities and other things that you might give to throughout the, throughout the year. Sustaining a life of giving is possible only when your heart is engaged. And only God can change your heart. Let me show you one great illustration from the Bible, Old Testament. This is, this is, a, I mean, this is like amazing story. Moses leading the people of Israel, children of Israel. He's leading them, and, and they're, they're going to build a tabernacle. Now, I'm not going to go into all the theological differences between a tabernacle. For our purposes here, we could just say it's like, you know, they're building a house of worship, okay? And, and they need a place, you know, they're in a new place, and they're doing that. So, so here's, here's what happens. We're in Exodus chapter 35. Moses said to the whole community of Israel, this is what the Lord has commanded, Take a, second off, take a sacred offering for the Lord. Let those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze. And he goes through a whole bunch of other stuff after that. We'll just skip over, you know, linens and purple cloths and stuff like that. And then he says, verse 10, come, all of you who are gifted craftsmen. He doesn't leave it with just bringing money or, or stuff of value. He's those of you who are gifted Craftsmen, construct everything that the Lord has commanded. Those of you who's got the, who have other gifts with what you can do, bring that too. No, that's part of the issue. We have people who, we already, we can, do, we, we, we can do more on this. Let me just tell you, but to give you an example, we have some of our creative people help out uh, who, who aren't on staff, help Steve with some of the things that you see up here. Um, giving what they can give, you know? Pretty tough when they're out of a show, you know what I mean? They, they can tell you about that, though. So they give what they can give. It's great. That's what, that's what he said. Those of you craftsmen, bring those gifts, too. Keep going. Verse 20. So the whole community of Israel left Moses, and they returned to their tents. Watch, watch, watch. Verse 21. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals, for all the sacred garments. Both men and women came, all whose hearts were willing. They brought to the Lord their offerings of gold brooches, earrings, rings from their fingers and, and, and toes, no, necklaces. They presented gold objects of every kind as a special offering to the Lord. Watch this, last part, we skip down a few verses. So the people of Israel, every man and woman, isn't that good? He talks about women too. Can you imagine that in that society? He's recognized men and women, equal opportunity giving. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not really being facetious on this. That's pretty amazing. Find that in some, some other religions today where women are even recognized to be able to do some stuff. There's a lot of Christians who are bigoted against women, but that's not from the Bible. It's not from the Bible at all. Just a little thing I want to just tell you. It's just one of my pet peeves, how people attribute things to the Bible that just aren't there. So anyway... I deviate. Here we go. So the, so, so, so the people of Israel, every man and woman who was eager to help in the work of the Lord, had given them through Moses, brought their gifts, gave them freely to the Lord. They're in verse 29. They brought all their, their, their stuff and their talents, and they gave it freely to the Lord. Now, this is a remarkable story. Watch what happens. This is, this is going to, if you don't know this passage, this is going to surprise you. Next chapter, chapter 36, verse 4. 
Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary left their work. They went to Moses and reported, the people have given more than enough, look at this, they've given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command and his message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. Can you imagine the day when I will stand here and I will say, hey, hey, you know that giving? We got plenty. You don't need to give anymore. Give it somewhere else. Can you imagine that? Let me just tell you something. That day's never going to come, all right? <laughs> because what we will do is if we have too much, we'll give it some other places. We'll make sure it gets given to good places too when that, when that time comes. So just so you know that. Um, but the concept here is just phenomenal, isn't it? They just, they just kept giving. All they, oh, I'm just going to keep giving, keep giving, keep giving. Until Moses said, hey, okay, come on. That's enough. We don't need any more. They were giving from their hearts. It says that twice in that passage. How you doing with that? How you doing with that? How you doing with the giving thing? Giving person? I'll give you one last quote. This comes from my favorite restauranteur of all time. At least top five, top three. A guy named Truett Cathy. Anybody ever hear him? Truett Cathy. How many here have never been to Chick-fil-A? I want to see your hand. If you've never been to Chick-fil-A. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Well, you can't go today. There's one in Menlo Park Mall, but they're they're closed on Sundays because Stuart Cathy, who is a phenomenal believer, but he makes makes sure all the restaurants close on Sunday. Um, But so tomorrow, go go, to Menlo Park Mall and have a a nice dinner, okay? Um, In the food court. Um, the, uh, the, the founder of uh, Chick-fil-A is, is Truett Cathy, and he's a guy that has given, my gosh, he's given, I don't know what the percentage would be, but it would be millions, millions and millions to, to different faith-based uh, Christian um, organizations and churches and so forth. And uh, that's pretty cool. He's just an amazing guy. Here's what he said, and I want you to get this, and I want you to get it good because it's such a great, great thought. It's okay to have wealth but keep it in your hands, not in your heart. It's okay to have wealth. Keep it in your hands, not in your heart. I want to pray for us. Get us to thank God and thank Christ for what he's done for us. Even give us the ability to, to, to give. He's given us everything. But after I pray, I'm going to band come on up and I'm going to have Julie sing a song. She's going to talk about one. Sometimes it's just, it's just the beginning with that one, that one gift, that one, it starts with, maybe it's that one dollar, that one act, that one thought, that one word that begins everything. So I want to, she's going to sing that, but let me pray first. God, we are so grateful for the gift that you've given us in Jesus Christ to give us the ability to have a relationship with you, our God Almighty. And the fact that, God, you give us everything else that we have, the talent, the gifts, that we have to do what we do, the drive that we have to make money, to have possessions. You, you give us all that. It's all yours. Pray, God, we'd honor you, not only in what we do with it, but how we give it back to you. Whether that be in money, whether that be in time, whether that be in other, so many, many different ways. We thank you for that. Help us to think about that. Help us to think sometimes it's just, it just starts with one. 
And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.